are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good show for you today. One of the biggest stories in all of golf happened yesterday. We're going to break that down. I'm sure you've heard about it, but what does it mean going forward? Not sure if we know all the details yet, but there's definitely some thoughts I have on it. Also, Jacob deGrom going to have major surgery on his elbow. Got questions about that. And we're going to talk a little college softball as we're down to the College World Series finals. I believe it starts tonight, and I've got some thoughts on that. We'll get to all that momentarily. Now, the biggest story, as you know, yesterday in the world of golf was the fact that the PGA Tour and Live Golf have come to an agreement to basically work together, and they're going to merge. This story is still in its infancy because nothing has been signed yet, so we don't know exactly the parameters and what it means and what Live Golf is going to do. Is there even going to be a Live Golf Tour anymore? Doesn't seem like it, but... This story is going to play out over the next few days, and once everything is signed and it's actually laid out for everybody of what's going to happen, then I think we'll be able to uh, release and have a little more clarity and be able to give more educated thoughts on this. But on the outside, this looks good for Live Golf. It looks good for the players who took the money to go to Live Golf, and it makes the players who stayed at the PGA Tour And defended it for a year, not that they did anything wrong, but their own leader did them dirty. And Jay Monahan, the PGA Tour commissioner, is looking like a giant horse's ass at this point. I mean, how can you not? You had players on the PGA Tour yesterday waking up and going to social media to find out that this was now a thing. That for one year, they were told that the live golfers would never, ever come back to the PGA Tour And some of them even said they were taking blood money by doing business with the Saudis. And now they're going to have to go back to playing with those people, seemingly, because live golfers will be allowed to play on the PGA Tour. So much to go over here. I think in the beginning of this year, when I started the Sports Daily, I did a few, I had a few opinions on the live tour guys. And I just said, look, you can't fault somebody for chasing the money. In case you didn't know, a group of people backed in the by the Saudis decided to just throw gods of money towards PGA Tour players to form a new golf league. Everything you've ever watched on golf has been the PGA Tour, the the main ones that you watch on Sundays, those tournaments that air on CBS and NBC and sometimes Fox. That's the PGA Tour. Well, a giant Saudi-backed company decided to just throw a bunch of money at some of the players to see if they'd go over, and some of them did. Because it was guaranteed money. In case you didn't know, to play golf, to make money on the PGA Tour outside of endorsement deals, you have to play well and you have to get to the weekend. And that's where you can, and if you win a tournament, obviously you place. But if you get to the weekend, you're automatically making money. Now, if you finish dead last, you don't make a lot. Maybe it's like ten or 15000 or whatever. Maybe it's 25000 But, you know, you win a tournament before this year and, you know, you win 900000 anywhere between 900000 1.5 million. Now the purses are a little bit bigger because Live Tour came aboard and all this. Anyway, the bottom line is that's what people did and decided to go chase money. And to each their own, when someone offers you $200 million just to go over to their tour, not like, oh, if you play for five years on our tour, we'll give you $200 million. No, it was just a signing bonus. Here's $200 million. 
it's like, what incentive do you have to even practice anymore on a tour that nobody was watching? It didn't have their own TV deal until this year, which was the CW, and some of their tournaments were getting cut off in the fourth round so they could show Goldberg reruns. So, yes, nobody cared about the Live Tour. ESPN wasn't covering it. If I asked you who won the Live Tour event, the you know this, the first Live Tour event of the year, you would have no 99.99999% of America had no idea. It was just great players being stolen and playing on a tour that nobody cared about. Fans didn't come out really that much to watch. They're playing a completely different game. They're only playing three days. They're playing in teams. They got music blaring on the golf course. It's just a difference. It was just like golf 2.0, you know, happy Gilmore type stuff. Yo, they were all pros that were playing on the tour. Don't get me wrong. But where's the competitive fire? Where's like, like you, if you've already been given $200 million to go over to that tour, what do you care how well you play? You don't. Sorry. So that's why I was surprised. I, I wasn't surprised that older players from the PGA Tour, guys like Phil Mickelson, who's 52 years old now or 51, going over to that. If someone's going to offer Phil Mickelson $200 million just to go to a tour, I get why he took the money. I was kind of questioning why people like Dustin Johnson, who was a top five player, Brooks Kepka, who went healthy as a top five player, Bryson DeChambeau, who at the time was playing really well, Patrick Reed, all major winners, why you would go to that tour. Don't you want to play with the best every single week? You're not playing with the best every single week on that tour. So that was always my question. And a lot of people on the PGA Tour didn't necessarily take shots at those players for doing it. They just said, not something I would do. You know, not for me. And they were definitely courted. There's a rumor that Liv offered Tiger Woods $800 million just to sign to play on that tour. And he turned it down because he's like, look, I grew up on the PGA Tour. This is what I grew up wanting to be, a PGA Tour player. I want to win tournaments on the PGA Tour. I want to win majors on the PGA Tour. And I get that. And I get why some of them, while they said to each their own and maybe didn't go after them too hard, I get what they were coming from. Now, the PGA commissioner makes them all look stupid for doing nothing wrong other than defending their tour. He's basically like for the last year, you're the guys. We have principles and morality on this tour. And then all of a sudden they decide behind the players' backs, he signs a deal to merge with the Saudis. So what are you going to do to the top PGA players who were courted by Liv last year and offered hundreds of million dollars to leave and go to the Liv tour? And they said, no, we're staying here. We want to, we're in solidarity here. And now you're in business with them. How are you going to appease those guys, if at all? Can you appease them? Are they all going to get blank checks of, hey, thanks for sticking with us. Um, here's $100 million. Then people on the bottom end are going to be going like, why do they get $100 million? Do I, do I get anything, even though I'm ranked 111th in the world? It's just it, this, is gonna, this is such a mess. I can't believe this happened. There are a lot of people that can't believe this happened. It just <laughs> for what I mean, if you've paid attention for one year, these two organizations have been at each other's throats, criticizing the other one. And then, boom. Oh, yeah, by the way, we're now all all for one, one for all. We're all together now. So I 
like I said, the deal hasn't been signed yet, but it's going to happen. Once it does, we will see everybody's role in this. And if this means that, I mean, this could mean money-wise, I mean, I, I think the PGA Tour players are stunned. But if the purses for every week of the PGA Tour go up to $50 million every week, I don't think they're going to give a shit. <laughs> be like, great. I'm, I, you know, I wish it didn't go down this way. I wish it didn't happen this way. I wish I didn't find out this way. Oh, but next week's tournament, if you win, you get $15 million instead of $1.5? Um, count me in. And I think, I, I mean, if the Saudis are merging with them and the Saudis are helping fund this merger and they were throwing ridiculous amounts of money to 52-year-old players like Phil Mickelson, I would think the whole point of this merger is now with the Saudi backing, our tournaments are going to be so freaking ridiculous with their purses. This is where the best come to play. Now, then it turns into the question of, well, look at the Saudis' atrocities in human race relations. And is this now all blood money? Like, you're going to have people on both sides of the fence on this. But to me, while I'm not a fan of the Saudis at all, there are so many things that are funded that we participate in, that we watch. Is it going to let me? Is this going to make me stop watching golf? No. But it is a difficult position that you're putting the players in because some players specifically didn't jump because they didn't want to be in business with the Saudis. And now they're basically being forced to. So what if another, what if an American gazillionaire decides to start his own golf league and pillage some of the guys on the PGA Tour and now they can go? And now they wouldn't be going for quote-unquote blood money because it's an American company. Like, this is going to be really interesting to see what happens. Um, but, I mean, the bottom line to all of this, and it's not like this is any sort of breaking news here, money talks. Everything comes down to money. Most people, most people, if not 99.9% .9 of us, are going to go where the money is. And money is the root of this whole deal. I guarantee, we don't know yet, but I guarantee the reason this merger is made is because they just want one golf league with ridiculous purses. And I think that's what we're going to get. Because of what Live Golf did, the PGA Tour decided, well, we got to up our we got to up our game because we don't want more players leaving. So we're going to have X amount of tournaments a year. I think it's 10 or 14 tournaments a year now have a $25 million purse, which is what the Live does every single tournament they had. They had a 14 tournament season and every purse was minimum $25 million. So, PGA Tour in response cuz they didn't want the players leaving, okay, we'll have 10 to 14 tournaments a year, $25 million purse. My guess, now with this merger, you're going to have $50 million purses for, like, the Honda Open. <laughs> like, I, I, why, why else would this deal be being made? To keep the same money? No way. So it's still in its early stages. We're going to be talking about this definitely going forward, but a monumental day in the world of golf yesterday. Some sad news in regards to the Texas Rangers, who won again last night and are now 40-20 and 20 on the season. Vegas had their win total at the beginning of the season at 82.5 wins. I took the over. 
the Texas Rangers would have to go 42 and 60 over their last 102 games for me not to win my bet. I think I'm pretty safe on that. Now we're getting into I have them winning the AL pennant before the season at 24 to 1, and I have them winning the World Series before the season at 48 to 1. So, yeah. I'm certainly going to win my overs bet for how many wins they get this season because they're over halfway there, or they're almost halfway there already, 60 games into the season. Um, they have to win 82. They have to win 83 for me to win my bet, and they're 40 and 20, 60 games into the season. But bad news yesterday the guy they spent five years and $185 million on, arguably the best pitcher in baseball when he's healthy, Jacob DeGrom, has pitched 30 innings this year, over six starts, left his last start about a month ago with soreness in his elbow, and now he's either having Tommy John surgery or major UCL surgery, and he's not expected back until this time, if not later, next year. And here's my question. I said it at the beginning. I've got questions about this. In case you didn't know, Jacob DeGrom has been an awesome pitcher, if not the best pitcher in baseball. However, look at his innings pitched since 2020. In 2020, he made 12 starts. Now, granted, that was the shortened season, so he made every start that season. 12 starts, pitched 68 innings. 2021, injured a lot. Only made 15 starts in 2021, Pitched 92 innings. Last year, injured most of the season. Pitched 64 innings. This year, pitched 30 innings in six starts. This guy hasn't pitched 100 innings in a season since 2019, yet you gave him five years and $185 million. It's like, okay, you took a chance and hoped that he wouldn't. My question is this. Someone signs a contract like that, especially a pitcher. Pitcher as pronounced as Jacob DeGrom is, clearly they have to go through a physical, right? I just find it hard to believe that a guy who hasn't pitched 100 innings in a season since 2019, after he he takes a physical, the Rangers look at the charts, yep, looks good, let's sign him. And 30 innings into his career as a Ranger, he already blows out his elbow? Like, you're telling me nothing came up on an MRI that showed maybe this 35-year-old man's elbow isn't in the greatest of shape considering he's been injured the last two years? It's just it's just a weird thing to me that I understand that they wanted to sign a big name, and clearly they don't even need him this year because they have the best offense in baseball and they have the second-best pitching staff in baseball. So they're doing this without DeGrom. So it, 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 it's, it's deflating, yeah, but it's not like he has been their leader this whole season and gotten them to a 40-20 and 20 start, and now he's out for the year. No, no, no. He's done nothing to contribute outside of 30 innings. So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not a doctor. I don't know how it works, but I find it hard to believe that when they looked at this guy's MRIs and did a physical on him, that his arm structure and his elbow was whatever their doctors looked at said, absolutely, this guy, five years, $185 million, do it. He is solid as a rock. And then 30 innings later, he blows out his elbow? 
it, it makes me think that they just overlooked it or didn't care. Because that seems to be a really stupid investment to make. A 35-year-old pitcher with a history of arm problems, and you're giving him five years. So next year, Jacob deGrom turns 30, um, I'm sorry, he turns 35 next month. So next year, when he comes back from this injury, he's going to be 36 years old. He'll have pitched 30 innings for the Rangers. And the guy throws 100 miles an hour. How effective is he going to be the rest of his career? I can't imagine you get better as you get older as a pitcher. He's going to have a 36-year-old arm fresh off the biggest surgery you can have as a pitcher. And if you've seen Jacob deGrom, you know how he's built. He's a beanpole. He's skinny, and he throws 100 miles an hour. It's almost like, of course he blew his arm out. Throwing a baseball, especially that hard that many times, is not a natural athletic motion. Anybody can tell you that. It's been talked about for years. It's not natural to throw a baseball the way you do. So I don't really get it. It doesn't matter, I guess, now. It's just my question that I brought up. He's not going to be playing for at least another year. It's just weird to me. It's just weird that... Before they signed him, I know everyone goes through a physical. I would think it's something comes up in a physical that's like, hey, might want to take it easy on him. I don't know if we should give him five years because his elbow doesn't look all that great on this MRI. But I don't, I, don't, I don't know how it works. Maybe he could just completely blow out his elbow. It could look great before they signed him, and then it only took 30 innings for him to blow it out. I don't, I don't think that's how it works, but that's what I'll go with, I guess. That's what the Rangers are going with. Certainly, I don't think they're going to admit like, yeah, we saw the MRI and his uh, elbow looked shot then, but we took a chance like no. So I'm going to end here with college softball. Tonight begins the college softball national championship. Best two out of three. Oklahoma will play Florida State. Oklahoma is looking for their third consecutive college softball national championship. They are the best team in college softball, the most dominant team. They are currently on a 51-game winning streak. I mean, they are, let's face it, they're the Cats' pajamas. They have outscored their opponents 420 to 49. Like, they're just dumb. They've been dominating the sport. This will be three years in a row that they're dominating it. And I will say this. I don't watch college softball during the regular season. I don't follow it at all. But every time... The College Softball World Series is on. If I'm home and nothing else is on that I'm interested in, I watch it. I love watching the top and the best of the best in college softball. Usually, especially, I usually start watching on Memorial Day weekend because that's when the Super Regionals are happening and stuff like that. But the Oklahoma team is getting a lot of shit, apparently, because they celebrate a lot and... They're taking some from the media by the way they celebrate. Like they'll get, the, you know, they'll walk. One of their hitters will take a walk and then they'll throw their bat down and scream about the, you know, to the teammates, let's go, let's go. It's like, look. And, and they're saying, look, why are we being held to a different standard? Every athlete does this. Why are basketball players allowed to scream and yell after a dunk? But a softball player gets a big hit or stands on first base after driving in a go-ahead run. They can't cheer for themselves? They can't yell? 
Basketball players do it all the time. Football players do dances in the end zone. But for whatever reason, and it could just be, once again, just trying to be picky about, you know, hating on the best because they are the dominant program in women's college softball. And we haven't seen a run like this, I don't think, ever. So I have no problem. I've watched their games. I don't think it's a big deal of what they do. They're cheering for themselves. They're happy. They celebrate. They're not showing the other team up. They're not pointing fingers at the other team. They're not doing any of that. They're just blowing teams out and dominating them, and they get very passionate when they do something well. Why is where, Why is there a double standard here? Ma- male athletes do it all the time. So I'm in agreement with them. They're, all, they're, oh, they're all saying it. They're talking to the media before the national championship starts tonight. Like, why is there a double standard here? Male athletes do it all the time. So let the women do it. Who cares? Unless, as long as you're not doing it and rubbing it in your opponent's face, there's absolutely nothing wrong with what they're doing. And if they win their third straight national championship, let them do whatever the hell they want. Do a dance. Do a cheer. Do some crazy-ass high fives. Scream at each other. Whatever. I don't care. But I don't, I don't know what people are up in arms over this about. This It's not that big of a deal. But they've had to answer to it. And I guess that's just people just trying to come after the champs and trying to get in their heads. Who knows? But it's not going to make them stop. And if Florida State somehow wins two of the next three and, and prevents Oklahoma from winning a third straight national championship, that'll be a huge, huge upset. And probably won't happen. But you never know. Best two out of three, it, it could. But when a team's won 51 in a row, uh, to lose two of the next three, it, it, you don't expect it. So we'll be uh, be on the lookout for that over the next couple nights. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Please subscribe in Apple Podcasts. It's the best way you can help this podcast get bigger and better. Pass it along to your friends. Let them know. Rate, subscribe, and review. All that good stuff. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Sports Daily. So thank you all for listening. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See ya!